Hi folks, David Jameson here, editor of Contour.co.uk um, and I'm joined today for a wee discussion with Michael Doyle um, who is a contributor to Contour. Um, you may have read his pieces uh, on Contour.co.uk mainly dealing with the Labour Party, Starmer, uh, the strategic questions facing the Labour left um, and he's a, a London-based uh, socialist in, in the Labour Party, active in the Labour Party. Um, Michael, thanks very much for, for joining us uh, for a wee chat today. Uh, my pleasure. Um, I suppose I, I wanted to start uh, by speaking to you today on the, the Starmer national, nationalist uh, ton, uh, uh, something that, of course, he's been building on since he... Uh, started leading the Labour Party of uh, a re-identification as he probably sees it with, um, you know, a British national uh, identification. Um, And that's kind of ramped up in in the last couple of days. Could you just give me your thoughts on what what this manoeuvre represents to you? I mean, specifically for Starmer, because we get one of these every few years uh, in the Labour Party. But for Starmer in particular, what is this supposed to represent? I think it's uh, meant to represent a break from Jeremy Corbyn. Um, I mean, Corbyn's leadership of uh, the Labour Party was was quite unusual um, for, for two reasons. First of all, uh, you had somebody on the left actually leading the party, uh, but you also had somebody who was a committed internationalist and a committed anti-imperialist. And Starmer's um, uh, pit pitch... Um, um, based on flying the Union Jack and, um, you know, this idea of, you know, national um, renewal, if, if I think that's the project. I mean, it's, I suppose they have to consult their PR consultants um, again. But it, it definitely, for me, seems that it's a, 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 a way of telling the, the voters in England um that this is a break from the Jeremy Corbyn um, um, interregnum, if you will. I, I, you know, for the, in terms of the Scottish context, I, I find it a, a very um, peculiar um, strategy in the sense that it seems to be doubling down very much on the Ian Murray uh, strategy, you know, of, of uh, wearing a Union Jack jacket and essentially <clears throat> um, pitching Labour as the as the defender of the union in its uh, in its current form, but yeah, I mean that for me would be the uh, the main takeaway that it is about a break, making a, a break from Jeremy Corbyn um, mm. and his leadership. I mean, it, it strongly implies that um, uh, for the Starmer team in general, you know, they are, as everyone is saying, sort of obsessed with uh, uh, the Labour left. Um, and and not really recognizing, you know, that the, the only you know good or half decent election that the Labour Party have had in the last ten years um, is, you know, took place under Jeremy Corbyn and so on. And and the promises that ulti- the pro- problems rather that ultimately manifested in the twenty nineteen election have more to do with the long term trajectory of the Labour Party than they do with Corbynism per se. You know, uh, Labour was also losing in its so-called traditional heartlands. You know, you hear this kind of the, the red wall and, and and so on, which is partially a media construction, but it speaks to a real reality. 
Labour was losing votes in these areas in 2010, in 2015. It partially recovered its position in 2017, though you could still see some of the the broad tendencies at play there. You know, they still stacked up votes very high in cities, struggled rather more in in poorer areas, semi-rural areas, former industrial towns and so on. But 2017 at least shored up that position before, you know, collapsing into uh, just an avalanche, you know, in, in, in 2019 under circumstances that we've sort of discussed it at length. Um, but I mean, I, I take it, I mean, it's become a real, um, it's become the real centre of analysis among Starmer's people that all that's necessary is to do new labour of a kind of left-wing uh, aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what has defined his leadership so far. And I think that is perhaps going to um, be the only defining uh, characteristic of his leadership um i mean it's like you know the 2017 election was labor's best result in the general election in, in 12 years right since 2005 and jeremy corbyn achieved the biggest single increase in labor's vote um since clement atley in 1945 now you'd think that 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 would be the foundation to build on but instead what starmer has done is he has um taken um uh, take an aim at the left and is doing his his damnedest to drive the left out and you know i find it quite frustrating that people who are senior advisors in the corbyn uh team or, or in john mcdonald's team as well uh, who are saying well you know we can push starmer to the left starmer is is um hasn't really got politics you know he's he's not really a a creature of the right well, even if that was true, he certainly has populated his he populated his, his leadership campaign and he's populated his office with quite sectarian labor right figures. Um part of part of an organization called Labour First, which <clears throat> you know sees anybody um a millimeter to the left of Ed Miliband as a as a trot. Uh they seem you know that's their um their favorite epithet. <clears throat> and I find I, I find it odd that people and uh, we'll get onto this, I'm sure, about the Labour left. It's sort of their eternal hope that um, if only they have um, loyalty, if they show loyalty to the leadership, a uh, right wing leadership, then in exchange they will get some radical policies. Uh, I mean, this you know, these ten pledges have taken on. Um, the quality of a tablet of stone for some of these people, you know, that, you know, Keir Starmer can be held um, to these pledges. I, I just find that uh, frankly um, deluded at this point. And I think if the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn um, and and his treatment subsequent to his suspension hasn't shown people on the left that Starmer is very much um, defining himself as being a, a scourge to the left, and I, I honestly don't know what will. Yeah, it's it's very strange to think that he's still <laughs> he's still suspended. That a former leader of the Labour Party, um, <laughs> months on, uh, is still suspended, and and that this isn't seen as a serious problem. A man, a man, only uh, 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 fourteen months ago, who we were including Keir Starmer as well, so Keir, uh, were campaigning to make prime minister. Yeah. Uh, 
of you know. Yeah, yeah but it's totally bizarre that, that Keir Starmer can keep a straight face uh, and say that he tried to get an anti-Semite elected uh, as leader of the country 14 months ago um, and not think that that poses any problems or any questions. Not, it has to be said, that the media is asking these questions um, or that many people on the left of the Labour Party are pointing out that this would need to make Keir Starmer a racist as well and therefore also unfit to be the leader of the country. Um, but it, it, it sort of disappeared into a factional wormhole, um, but by all appearances. I mean, I'll tell you my, my, my general take on, on the question of, from a Scottish perspective, the, the, the British national turn that the Labour Party seems to make every few years, but I do think is different now for a, a specific set of circumstances. Um, I'm not opposed to, I mean, sometimes on the left, there's a slightly silly hang up about any form of national identification in some way is dangerous or poisonous or something like that. Nation states are the basic geographical units of the social order. We live under everyone who lives in one has some form of national identification. Any political project is a national political project in at least some dimension. Um, you know, these things are not actually as terrifying and obscure as they're sometimes made out uh, to be. I don't think it's a problem, therefore, to, uh, to associate your political project with the nation in which you live. I don't think that's a problem. But that's not what I think Starmer is doing. I think he's making a much more vacuous and cynical and opportunistic pitch into British politics, which is um, he perceived the Brexit situation as very many liberals who are kind of people's voters did as simply a nationalist movement, red and tooth and claw. He didn't, he did not interested in, in the wider sociological reality of what Brexit represented. Therefore, he's not orientating his politics onto the social problems that helped create the atmosphere for Brexit. He's just going for what he sees as the kind of, uh, you know, primal nationalist instinct of the British people or something like that. It's mm. never worked for Labour, really. You know, I mean, it, a national framing has for Clement Attlee, the National Health Service, uh, for Wilson somewhat more dubiously, the white hot heat or whatever it is, the white heat, sorry. white heat of technology, the technological yeah. age or something. Of, like of the yeah. scientific revolution, I think it, it, it was, uh, though it's often at times as, as technology. So, it, you know, it can't even, you know, cool Britannia, uh, which is pretty vacuous, oh. but, <laughs> but you know, it, it can, a national framing can work. That's not what Starman was doing. He's not got that, that kind of programmatic relationship to this. It's just, um, uh, it's just a really vapid, pitch but the problem he's got is that there's not uh, a national electoral majority for British nationalism anymore um, mm. and, it, and I wanted to ask you I mean the loss of those 41 seats in, in Scotland to Labour and they've not you know been recovered there's still there's only one Labour MP uh, in Scotland I mean how much does that register in among Labour thinkers in, in London and beyond that you basically you basically can't form a Labour majority government without Scottish seats. And this is a platform, this rhetorical pitch anyway, which will inevitably alienate um, yeah, Scottish voters. It registers with them only in uh, the sense that they know it poses an, an electoral challenge, um, but they don't seem to be particularly interested in understanding um, the socioeconomic reasons for why uh, Scottish Labour 
uh, lost all those seats. Um, for them, that's a, uh, it's about, like I said, about um, winning votes and keeping, you know, effectively importing Scottish MPs into, into, uh, into Westminster so that they can um, form a government. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty um, odd and I don't think particularly um, good um, way to conceptualise voters that they're simply, um, you know, Scottish voters are going to give us a, a Labour government to save us from uh, from the, from the Tories, um, because it, it means that it, give, it lets Labour off the hook in England to make um, the case for an alternative. You know, this idea that well, we just have to rely. We can offer the the status quo, but you know, the you know the Scottish voters will um, give us these um, these seats in Westminster to help us form a, a majority government. Um, and I think that with Starmer's turn, you know, this this pitch this. Uh, um, pitch to, to British nationalism. I mean, it has got Wilson Wilsonian vibes to it, um, in that he does see himself as a Wilson type figure. You know, he's holding the party together, and he's talking about you know post COVID um, there will be a program of national renewal, um, which can bring all four nations of the United Kingdom uh, together. But that. You know, that is a political vision, I think, that is more than 20 years out of date. I mean, it's uh, it's like you you said um, before, David, about um, Scottish, the SNP are sort of frozen ideologically in this sort of third way um, Blairite uh, outlook. And I think that's just that's very true of Labour, um, both here in, in London and also in, in Scotland. And there is no uh, recognition that the union um is uh, is in a you know is is, uh, is very precarious and there is a clear demand amongst the majority of, of, of Scottish people now for for self-determination and I don't see how um pitching back to a um a, a form of British nationalism from t- 20 years ago I mean you know I was kind of thinking he would do the cool Britannia thing uh Starmer that I, I don't think he's uh, quite got the uh, charisma uh, that Blair has um, as much as uh, we dislike Blair. He does. He did have uh, the charisma and the ability to sort of uh, portray a positive uh, vision for of, of British of Britishness. I don't think Starmer um, uh, is capable of doing that. Yeah, um, I mean that 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 is also my feeling that that New Labour came at a certain time in in British history uh, where the Conservative Party. Uh, were exhausted, completely out of touch with the country, um, mm. had zero appeal, particularly to young younger voters, but to a much broader element of British society who were uh, fed up of the conflict of, re- of of the 1980s, wanted to move on from that kind of era. Um, Blairism obviously pushed into sections of the middle class through various methods. Starmer seems to be like this this attempted rerun of the Blair story, right? I mean, you can see him doing all the stuff that Blair did. You can see him breaking all the supposed taboos uh, in order, in the same order that Blair did. So all this stuff about he endlessly writes for and interviews in um, the the parties of, the the papers rather, of the the right traditionally. So the Times, the British state, 
paper of record, the Telegraph, the party journal of the Conservative Party. Like these are the people he goes to to, to speak to. And, and what he thinks he's signaling is, look at me. I'm a dynamic leadership personality. I can speak to anyone. I can cross all the bridges in, in British society. Even that is such a throwback to the 1990s. I yes. don't think that people in, in British society today really see there being a Labour Tory gulf in British society. And can I just say as well, it also misses the, and you, you, you put this, uh, you put this very well in a recent article in Conta about um, the radical independence campaign. It, it misses the, it completely ignores, sorry, the, the, the 2014 um, uh, reaction, if you will, to neoliberalism. I mean, the Scottish independence referendum was, I, I agree with you, very much a referendum on the Westminster neoliberal model. And this um, this approach that Starmer is taking and, and that Labour are taking, um, it just seems to again, it's almost it, they're, they're, these people are very good at um, 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 not remembering history that makes them feel uncomfortable. So the twenty seventeen general election result has been uh, completely erased from the from from um, you know, elite collect, collective elite memory. But twenty fourteen Scottish independence referendum. Um, if that did not signal to Labour that there was huge discontent with um, the British state and the British state um, is particularly um, in its um, in its uh, not just support but uh, management of the neoliberal order. If if that uh, uh, completely went over their heads, then I I really think they've got absolutely um, no future. The, the weakness of, of, of Starmer um, and, I mean, I think people, what has been interesting the last couple of weeks is I've started to see people, including on the centre-left, saying this isn't working. Like, there's a failure to launch here, uh, basically. Um, we are, you know, when did Starmer become leader? I mean, we're, we are a year, basically, into his leadership, um, and there are no signs that he is reviving any kind of support for his, for his own project. Um, and we're supposed to be down a line. You know, he has this this project where, first of all, he demonstrates competence. You know, we've all read about this. Then he, then he, uh, uh, you know, he he he, he 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 projects values. This is the theory. There's there's a, there's a book apparently. I've 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 kind of had a skim of it. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it has a certain class analysis of Britain, uh, and it has a certain theory about how you tap into late. Uh, Claire Ainsley's book. Clear, that's the one. Um, uh, a theory about how you establish uh, a political consensus among the kind of subaltern class elements in, in British society. So he's going through this playbook, and it is ludicrously schematic in the way he's approaching it. This is this is partly what lies behind all this grovelling to Boris Johnson and saying he's going to, you know, he's he's going to work with the government and all this kind of stuff. It's this competence, then values, and then you address your politics to the values that you have explained, which is why he keeps talking about his family and how much he loves the royal family <laughs> and all this kind of <laughs> pathetic um, stuff. But there is a there, there's some kind of method behind that. But it's really it's just not um, advancing the project in the way that that New Labour's approach did, as I say, in a very different historical. Period. But I'm starting to wonder, to be honest, if 
we are on the left, including you know on the left outside Labour or the left that's more critical of of left wing Labourism as such, we're kind of underestimating um, or misunderstanding the stakes here. I'm starting to wonder now if if Labour don't don't really see themselves as contesting the uh, the 2024 elections so much as they see themselves as exercising the ghost of Corbynism, uh, re-establishing Labour as an obviously kind of statal and pro-establishment political party, and that, that's more important than 2024. Yeah, I I think that's um, that's uh, that's that's broadly correct. There's an excellent book uh, that was written by. Um, I think it's um, Mike Marchese and uh, Richard Heffernan. It's called Snatching Jaws from the uh, Snatching Victory from the Jaws of Defeat, uh, the Inside Kinnock's Labour Party, and it basically traces um, Kinnock's leadership from uh, after the nineteen eighty three election right through to Kinnock's defeat in nineteen ninety two, and Kinnock's whole approach was making the Labour Party not you know they wrote they wrote off the nineteen eighty seven election. They <clears throat> their project was to make the Labour Party acceptable again to the British establishment because the British establishment got a fright from the Labour Party in the early 1980s when Benism uh, was the dominant current. And there, and there is actually some similarities. You see people who um, were, were die-in-the-wall die Benites who, who moved away from Benism and became... Um, became um, you know, very, very loyal supporters of the Kinnock project. Something similar is happening, I think, with with in, in the current uh, 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 conjuncture. You know, you see people who were in you know very, very supportive of of of, of Jeremy Corbyn now beginning to distance themselves from Corbyn, make you know being very critical of Corbyn, particularly. Um, you know, on the day he was suspended, there was this you know very, in my view, frankly, weaselly um caveating of uh, um of 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 opinion on 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 what he said um and just to just to expand on that i think what he said was absolutely right you know i don't know why we we've we've reached a very um disturbing um point when telling the truth is now seen as unacceptable there's no good time to tell to, to tell the truth and to state facts. But you can see some of those senior figures beginning to um, become very, very supportive of Keir Starmer. You know, they're saying you know, he's, he's pledged to keep the Corbyn. If only the left to get behind, um, you know, if, sorry, if only the left mobilised within the party to hold him to these 10 pledges, uh, then uh, he will. But of course, he's expelling the left. So... I don't know how they how exactly the the left could exert any influence. Not least also in that you know Starmer has got no members of the socialist campaign group in his shadow cabinet, to the best of my knowledge. And also um, in the leader's office, uh, there's nobody on the left in there to to exert this pressure. So if the membership is being uh, demobilized, essentially the left membership, then I, d I don't really see what the mechanism is to. Um, to, to enforce Keir Starmer's promise that he will keep to these 10 pledges. By the way, most of them are pretty vacuous. I mean, they're, they're written in, 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 uh, in, in quite, um, um, in language that means that he can easily, um, 
say, well, you know, I made that pledge at the time, but now circumstances have changed. I, I can't um, stick to that pledge any longer. Do you agree with me that, I mean, the, the way I generally think about this question now, and in a sense, because the Scottish political context is so different, it's not an immediate question up here. I mean, the Scottish Labour Party is pretty lifeless uh, by this point. It's a small minority party. I mean, it's third um, in, in, in third place in the Scottish Parliament um, and seems to be continually on the slide um, so it's a rather different question between Scotland and England. Um, but what I generally feel about this is if I, if I were in England, if I were in that national context, I wouldn't be calling on people to leave the Labour Party or to stay in the Labour Party. You see this debate going on and I think it's a bit of a distraction in a way. Yeah. Um, the more important thing is what are people doing to affect the wider political context? So to your mind, what is what is the best way for people on the left of the Labour Party or just left-wing, unaffiliated of different parties, whatever, in England to be doing to, to shift the, the political terrain? Well, I think, <clears throat> you know, the, like the question as to whether or not one stays in the Labour Party or one doesn't stay in the Labour Party, I agree, is is a question that we perhaps shouldn't be, do, do, not me and you, but you know, generally on the left in England, shouldn't be spending too much time on. I think that unfortunately, unfortunately, the Labour Party um, does is the biggest um, left-wing um, political organisation in England, and it has a gravitational pull. It just pulls everybody uh, into into its orbit, and so whatever one does um, in terms of their praxis, one has to account for the fact that the Labour Party is there. I wouldn't make any moral judgments as to um, about whether or not people want to leave the Labour Party or not, or, or even uh, if they want, if they don't want to vote for the Labour Party in 2024. I've seen, I've seen some quite senior people um, on the left in, in England uh, castigating uh, people who are leaving the Labour Party and saying they won't vote for Starmer. I mean, you know, um, perhaps they've got better things to do, um, and not just politically, but... I think that the, the, there are some excellent initiatives, particularly uh, with the No Holding Back group. Um, so the No Holding Back group, if your um, your viewers are not familiar, is a is a, is a trio of left wing um, MPs. Well, Laura Smith is a former uh, MP, but John Tricker, Ian Lavery, and Laura Smith are three um, uh, three Labour figures from the north of England who have been uh, holding these rallies uh, every. Uh, were, were holding, holding these rallies every week and with trade unionists, Labour Party members uh, and people who are generally on the left in England and asking, how do we reconnect with the working class? And I think that that's, a que- that's the right question to ask. <clears throat> I think it should have been asked more during the Corbyn um, leadership because I think one of the reasons why the Corbyn, and this is, I think, the most immediate task of people on the left, whatever uh, one's political affiliation is to rebuild the social base in England. I think any um, socialist um, political project um, can only succeed um, in England if there is a strong social base underpinning it. So I think whatever one does, that's what uh, one should be doing, whether that's in political education, uh, whether that's, um, you know, political education within the trade union movement, 
or within the Labour Party or just political education generally, um, and also organisation. Now, that's obviously quite difficult given um, uh, the fact that we're currently living um, under under restrictions. But that would be that would be my um, my uh, my view. Uh, okay, Michael, thanks very much for that. Uh, there's much more we could discuss, and um, I look forward to talking about these issues with you, with you as, they, uh, as they develop. So thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And uh, obviously, um, uh, go to conta.co.uk uh, to follow further discussion on uh, Starmerism and his project in the Labour Party problems it's got in Scotland and much else besides. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you all again soon.